talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Joining me once again, Mitch Stormer. Mitch, thank you so much for being here. We're going to talk some week one. We're going to preview week two. And we got the UniView breakdown of the Lincoln Trail Conference. So a lot to cover, but a lot of football to talk about. Yeah, we finally uh, kind of transitioned from preseason talk and expectations into, into results. So uh, what a fun weekend it was and excited to talk about it. Mitch, let's talk a little bit about last Friday night. It's the tip-off of March Madness, the NCAA yep. tournament. It's the kickoff of IHSA high school football. It seemed like we were living in an alternate universe because it was so bizarre. But, man, yeah. it was awesome. I had two or three screens going. I was watching uh, Princeton Lee win, Geneseo Galesburg for a little while, and then I had basketball on the TV. Man, it was great. Yeah, that, that's you bring a good point because that's something that you know might not have been around as much when you or I were were around the the playing age because technology <laughs> allows us to uh, to multitask not only with different sports here in the spring, uh, but different games. So shout out to all those teams who are utilizing live streams this year. Um, everyone that we we watched, you know, the same games that you mentioned. Um, everyone is doing a nice job. So uh, kudos to everyone uh, who is presenting uh, live streams this year. Yeah, very cool. If there's any positive that came out of the last year, maybe that it, it made live streaming more of a necessity than a luxury. So yeah. uh, I think it's, it's great. I utilized, like I said, the, the games I mentioned. Um, I also watched a little bit of Rock Island Moline, which had the audio from uh, QC Sportsnet with Ken Jacoby. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was cool to get that um, you know, insight as well. But just, just really great to be able to sit and watch high school football again. Um, Mitch, when we jump in, we're going to get into a new segment here called Viewpoints. So Viewpoints mm -hmm. from week one, we'll just go through and talk about the storylines, the stats, just anything that stuck out to you in this week of high school football. I'll go first, and I'm going to the Northwest Upstate Illini and two upsets in week one. I'm looking at Milledgeville knocking off Stockton 14-8, to and Galena defeated EPC, Eastland Pearl City, 28-6. to for the Missiles, they only had one win back in 2019, and Stockton was a playoff team. And on the other side, for Galena, they haven't won more than two games in the regular season since 2015. So, I mean, huge wins for both programs. And I realize that every season and every team is different in high school football, especially when you're talking about the layoff that we've had, you know, since the last time these teams took the field. But for Galena and Milledgeville to win these games in week one, I just think it's a huge momentum boost. And it gets that buy-in from the players early on. And hopefully it can really set them up for, you know, success either this spring or moving forward, you know, into the fall for the program. All right, Mitch, well, where are you going? Where's your first viewpoint for week one? Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit further for the south down to the Western Big Six, the big week one matchup there, the rivalry game between Moline and Rocky, um, and that Rock Island offense was on full display. Uh, an absolute powerhouse performance. Two quarterbacks, Elijah Reese, Devin Swift, combined for touchdowns on the ground and through the air. Uh, it always helps when you have a, a nice wideout, a nice weapon like Cole Rusk out there to catch passes. Uh, so a dynamic trio, I guess you could say there for the Rocks. And really credit, not to put a pun here, Greg, but credit to the Rock Island line. I think there's a song about that. Maybe that's a theme that we can go with here for the Rocks this season. Uh, on the flip side of that, in that same game, find the clip of Moline quarterback Alec Ponder. 
he throws an absolute bomb to Matthew Bailey. It's a 65-yard toss. It's a touchdown. It's a great play. Uh, and, and what a game that was. But the Rocky offense was on full display. We'll talk more about that game in a little bit in our, in our game recaps from week one. But, yeah, that was a fun game to watch. I'm actually staying in the Western Big Six myself. My second viewpoint from week one, Galesburg defeats Geneseo for the first time since 1932. Now, I know, hold on, these teams don't play every single year. I get it. But either way, Galesburg was only 2-7 and seven a year ago. So you go on the road in week one and knock off Geneseo. I mean, that, that's a big win. There's a lot to be excited about. We'll talk more about Galesburg in a little bit. But there's a lot there and a lot of potential. I'm excited to talk Galesburg football. Mitch, where are you going next? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch to another conference now, back to Three Rivers, uh, something that, that I know about. Oh, it wouldn't be an episode with me in it if I didn't talk about Morrison. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but listen, 12 of their last 13 games have been victories. Their only loss being to Weathersfield in the quarterfinals last year. And in all 13 of those games, they've held opponents under 21 points, including, of those 13, 10 games allowing one score or fewer. So the, the Morrison defense continues to show a dominant uh, display. Uh, also, on the offensive side of the ball, they lost running back Keegan Anderson. Uh, he was a senior a couple years ago. He went to U of I to run track. And all you got to do is just change the brothers in this scenario because his, his junior brother, Alex, is in the offense now, rushes for 191 yards and two scores against the Rams. It was a 41 nothing victory for Morrison. Yeah, that was an impressive showing for Morrison. I'm also staying in the Three Rivers for my last, uh, my final and third viewpoint from week one. And Mitch, big time players have a way of stepping up in big-time games. Look no further than Rondé Worrells for Princeton in their win against Lena Winslow. They win the game 35-14. to 14. And, yes, he had three rushing touchdowns, which we would expect from a player like Rondé Worrells, a running back like that. But I think dig a little deeper. He finished the game with 17 tackles. He was flying all over the place, finding the football, and, man, making tackles like crazy. He really stifled, obviously, a very powerful Lena Winslow offense. We'll talk more about that a little bit later as well. But that was impressive for me on the defensive side of the ball. Very impressed by Rondé Worrells. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to – whatever side of the ball he plays on in DeKalb, he's going to be a star because he showed why he's going there. Absolutely, absolutely. Mitch, where are you going for your number three, your third viewpoint? I'm, I'm staying in, in the three rivers. I'm, I'm staying here and maybe a team that, that doesn't get a lot of talk or maybe we haven't talked about a lot. And that's the Rock Ridge Rockets. They come in and they avenge a 19 to nothing loss last year against Orion and with a 26 to six victory could have been a shutout. Orion scored with, with just about a minute left was almost a, a complete shutout. So a, a real turnaround from the last time that they played quarterback Braden Dean throws three scores. And this is going to set up an interesting game next week with Morrison. Look out. Look out, Rockridge might be uh, pulling off an upset next week. I like it. I like it. And you're right. Yeah, maybe we didn't give Rockridge enough love heading in here. But, um, you know, that's, that's a win that stuck out to me too. So, Mitch, now let's jump right in. Let's do some game recaps. And I think if we're talking week one, we got to start with the game that had the most hype and the most buildup going in. I'm talking about Princeton, Lena Winslow. Me and you were tuned in. We were watching on the live stream. Man, yep. it, it felt like. It felt like a playoff game. I mean, I know yeah. it's March. It's a weird time of year. It's week one, but it did, didn't it? It had like an atmosphere yeah. to it. Right. And let's, let's even jump back. And we, we talked about this on the last episode. Once again, let's credit both schools for making this game happen. Not only for, you know, making sure that the kids are getting a six game schedule, but just seeing a matchup like this, two local powers, 
despite being in different classes. Kudos for Lee Wynn for stepping up. I mean, that's, that is not easy to do, no matter how good you are, to jump up two classes and not only to play a team two classes up, but to play a favorite in that class. So credit to Lee Wynn for, for doing that. Credit to Princeton for finding that game and making this happen. But yeah, uh, a game that I was, or that we were both lucky that they live streamed. Um, it, it looked early on that, that Lee Wynn was kind of maybe caught him off guard a little bit. But in the end, the size and the speed of Princeton just prevailed. Yeah, we'll look right look at the game a little bit here. Um, Lee Wynn with a fumble and a scoop and score early. I turned on the live stream and it was already 6-0 Lee Wynn. So I wasn't yeah. even sure what happened. But it, they scored quick. And reading some of the postgame comments from Ryan Pierce, and I think, you know, they were a little shell-shocked early on. I think, I think yeah. the Tigers, you know, they took, it, they took it hard early. And they had to, you know, figure out, kind of pick themselves up. And that's what good teams do. And that's exactly what they did. They bounced right back. Rondé Worrells with the answer for a touchdown. Then you saw Mari Roby, electric running back from Lena Winslow, break off a 64-yard run that both of us were texting back and forth like, yeah. wow, that was a big-time play. Yeah. He made some moves in that run that were just awesome. And then uh, Worrells would then answer back. So we're tied at 14. And then from there, um, I believe that Worrells scored again. And that really kind of – that was kind of the beginning of the end for Lena Winslow. Um, we'll talk briefly because it's impossible to ignore – some of the injuries that Lena Winslow had. They were without Jennings Dunker, who's an Iowa commit, who's a big-time playmaker. Um, he wasn't there. Ethan Fry, who had the first touchdown for them on the fumble and recovery touchdown, he went out with cramping, we've heard. So hopefully he'll be good to go the rest of the way. But the injury that, that really, you know, that was the noticeable absence during the game was Mari Roby. He went out shortly after that run and it sounds like it's a leg injury that may be fairly significant, um, which is just, it's awful to hear for as exciting as he looked and knowing the excitement coming into it, being that he was a playmaker the year before when they won a state championship, that's a disappointing one. But credit to both sides, like you said, for playing the game. And man, early on, it was a shootout. It was a lot of fun. And Princeton showed, you know, kind of what they have and able to overcome that early deficit. Yeah. And just to touch back on what you were, you were speaking about, Roby. Uh, it, it does sound like he might miss the spring, but he will be back for the fall. Though, you know, that's using his, his words that he might have uh, used on Twitter. So hopefully that is true. Hopefully his recovery goes well. And that was the turning point. That was exactly the turning point because uh, after he went down and, and they switched possession and it went to Princeton, they scored on the very next play to his side where he was playing corner. So um, definitely. Yeah, I, I was going to say. If, yeah, I don't know if, if you go all four quarters with Roby, if, if the score – differs or if it gets any closer like I said the size and the speed of Princeton is just going to wear a smaller team like that down I thought Princeton's quarterback Gibson was bigger than any Lee Wynn player and that's just what you see when you see a, a 3A team going against a 1A team so um, yeah we, we hope Roby uh, all the best in his recovery uh, and, and, and again a, a great win by Princeton yeah you you corrected me there you're right that after um, I said the Worrell scored the third one but you're right they went to the air and Gibson had that passing touchdown right after Roby went out. So yeah, that mm -hmm. was where they really, you know, might've seen, you know, that, that vulnerability there in the Lee win defense, because for as good as Roby was on offense, man, when you're watching it, we're hearing the PA system on the live stream. I don't know about you, but I was hearing Roby's name making tackles before yeah. that too. I mean, he was, he was making well, some plays on the defensive side as well. Yeah. A talent like him, who's not only incredibly fast. And again, if you can find that clip of that run, it was like a Barry Sanders touchdown. It really was. Yeah. But Ro Roby's a state wrestler. 
I mean, he, he's, he goes, he goes far in the winter in the wrestling tournament. So yep. you get that, that sort of, of talent and he's a small guy, a talent, but a build like that. And you put him at corner. It's, it's an incredible talent. And, and yeah, Princeton just, uh, they took advantage of that. Yep. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about some of the finals from around the Northwest Upstate Illini, as long as we're talking about Lee Wynn here. Uh, Orangeville, a playoff team from a year ago, wins 18-14 over East Dubuque. Polo wins big over South Beloit, 52-26. River Ridge was a winner, 18-6 over Hiawatha. That's eight-man football there. And then Galena, which we talked about earlier, gets the win over Eastland Pearl City, 28-6. So a good start for the Pirates. And one final game to look at from the Northwest Upstate Illini. Aquin gets a big win over Dupec, 28-22. Those are two playoff teams from back in 2019 squaring off in week one. This is a great game. Aquin was up 20-7. Dupec came back to take a 21-20 lead in the fourth quarter. But Aquin marched back down the field for the go-ahead and eventual winning score. Man, that, that was a back-and-forth game, but that was a good one. Yeah, an exciting uh, game. Th things you want to see all season here uh, in the spring, but as, as, especially in week one. Uh, Will Gustafson had a heck of a day for Aquin. Uh, I believe he had two touchdown, two, two touchdown runs, sorry. Uh, and he had also it, – it, this, is, this is interesting because you don't see this a lot. The quarterback not yes. only has two touchdown runs, he has a touchdown pass, also has an 86-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. So, Mr. Do-It-All uh, – uh, someone to watch there in Aquin. Going to make a big, big spring. That's the beauty of NUIC small school football, right? You got that yeah. athlete and he can do everything and he does it very well. So credit to him, credit to Aquin for coming away with the big win. Mitch, I want to jump into the Western Big Six. Uh, we talked a little bit about it at the, at the start here. Rock Island over Moline, 41-29. Fun game to watch back and forth, especially in that first half. Like you said, Rock's offense looked really impressive. The combination of Eli Reese and Devin Swift. Devin Swift did it with two touchdowns on the ground, two more through the air. Eli Reese also added to it as well. He was in on three other scoring drives. They threw to, different, to seven different wide receivers. I mean, this offense looks dynamic, and it's a Rock Island team that we thought was on the doorstep, was about to make that next step. Mm -hmm. They looked every bit that part in week one. Yeah, and, and not to not to go over what I had mentioned uh, in my in my viewpoint, but just across the whole offensive offensive side of the ball, two quarterbacks who can throw and run, running backs who can contribute, an offensive line that gives everyone the time to do things, and like you said, seven different receivers to, to throw to, that's going to be hard to stop. Uh, and Moline couldn't do it. No, you know, no discredit to Moline and, and their effort because they put up a heck of a fight, but that they really showed their muscle. Yep. Looking on the Moline side, they also did utilize two quarterbacks in this game. And reading um, Coach Morrissey's post-game comments, and when I talked to him early in the season in our one-on-one -on -one interview on the podcast, I think they're a little young this spring, which he referenced as if there's any good part of playing this spring, it's that they do have some young guys. So they're kind of working them in. So you never want to lose a football game, especially against your rival. But in week one, I think that if you find things to build on, that's good for a young group like Moline has. And knowing their coaching staff and what they've been able to do at Moline in their time here, I see that they'll still be a formidable opponent moving on the rest of this year and into the fall season. Another note for Moline, Caroline Hazen, their kicker, hit a varsity field goal. So congratulations to her. Mm -hmm. And, man, Coach Morrissey's been talking her up. I read somewhere on Twitter that 
she's hitting 50 yarders in yeah. practice. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You see the, the soccer standout, uh, being able to translate that talent over. So yeah, it was cool to see. Uh, I didn't, I didn't catch too much of this game on the live stream, but I was following along on Twitter and you would see her name pop up, you know, field goes good. Extra point is good. So yeah, cool to see. Yep. Awesome. I was, I did catch a little bit of the uh, end of the first half and then into the second half and, you know, credit to Moline. Cause every time you thought Rocky put it out of reach, man, they came back and scored again and they, and they kept coming. So credit mm -hmm. to them. Like we said, it was a back and forth game. That one was a lot of fun to watch. Let's talk about uh, Galesburg Geneseo. We referenced earlier Galesburg coming away with the big 21 14 win. It's just, I can't emphasize it enough. It's a big win for Galesburg. I think it's just a, a culture changing type of win, you know, cause you get over that, almost like that mental block of beating Geneseo right. because let's be honest, like regardless of what Geneseo is or what they were last year or the year before, it's still Geneseo on the front of their Jersey. It's mm -hmm. still the green and yellow. There's an intimidation factor. It's like playing Newman or it's like playing, right. you know, Sterling or those big time schools that have success repeatedly. You got to get over that. And, and Galesburg did a great job. Yeah. What, what did you say? 1934? 1932. So, I, I wanted to look up. I wanted to take time to figure out how many wins that actually is. I couldn't. I, I'm not Brian Stocking. I couldn't go that far right. in. But, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the IHSA database doesn't go back that far. <laughs> uh, and regardless, like you had mentioned, even if they don't play every year, that's still, and I'm not going to do the math, 60, 70 years of, of buildup, you know, that, that you can say that it's finally over, that's it's finally done. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like you said, too, you're still going to Geneseo. You're still going to that field. And, and to get a, a win like that on the road, first game of the year after a, after a, a holdoff like this, impressive job. Galesburg looked really good on defense. Um, you know, Geneseo is moving away and, and maybe has a new offense coming in. And that's something that we talked about early episodes too. Sometimes it's hard to take stock or, or buy stock, I should say, in some teams because you don't know how they're handling this spring season. If it's something like Geneseo, maybe they're putting in a whole new offense. Maybe they've got brand new personnel to do it. So it's not to say that, that Geneseo might not, you know, do well in the fall. Um, Cause maybe they're just, they're using the spring session to try out something new and, and, you know, hammer out the wrinkles. Yeah. We'll jump into Geneseo in a minute, but going over Galesburg, this is an exciting group. They have a lot of pieces on offense that I want to continue to watch this season and into next year. Uh, Grant Ayton at quarterback, he looks strong. He looked really solid for them. Uh, playmaking duo of brothers in Alex and Dre Egyptiaco, they put up numbers in 2019. I remember watching them in 19, and they're back again. Actually had kind of a cool, uh, a cool moment where they did a halfback pass from one brother to the other brother, and, man, he was <laughs> wide open. It was cool. I mean, if it's going it. to be a trick play, you might as well use twin right. brothers to pull it off, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that way one can hold it over the other one if the other one screws it up. <laughs> yeah, there you go, exactly. And then the other piece that I thought um, looked tough was uh, Cannon Klein. He did stuff on offense and on the defensive side of the ball. He looks like kind of a big bruising fullback, which I think is a nice compliment to the Egyptiaco brothers and then a dual-threat quarterback like Aiton. Like I said, I just I think there's pieces there. It's exciting. I'm excited to continue to watch them. Looking at Geneseo, it's weird to say that they didn't run the wing T, but that's, right. that's what it is. They, they have shifted away, at least in week one. It looks like they've done a little bit of shifting away. You know, looking at some of the numbers, I had to kind of double, you know, double check these numbers. But uh, quarterback Nathan Beneke finished the game 16 of 23 for 203 yards, a touchdown and an interception. 
So mm -hmm. they're definitely throwing the ball. I mean, that's, you right. know, you, you look at the numbers, they're throwing the ball. Geneseo's leading rusher, only 34 yards on 14 carries. So yeah. there was a commitment to the passing game. And I think that, yes, they did not come away with the win here, but their defense played tough and kept them in the game. I think if you can iron out some of the wrinkles, if you can get players and even maybe to a certain extent get coaching staff all on the same page and accustomed to the new playbook or whatever plays they want to institute as far as passing goes, I think there's potential there. I think if mm -hmm. you have the pieces, and I think Geneseo does, that the potential is there to hopefully this year get it rolling going into the fall season. Hopefully they can get it rolling. I, man, Geneseo running a spread. What do, what do you think about that? And yeah, if that's the direction that the Leafs are going on offense, that's, that's a big change going from wing T to a spread offense. That is not a small task. That takes a lot of time. It's one thing to put it on paper. It's another thing to put it on the field with your personnel. And maybe when we're looking at this game being 21-14, you credit the Leafs defense for keeping that a close game, for keeping that a seven-point game, giving that offense opportunities, you know, to be on the field a little bit longer or uh, more opportunities just to be on the field at all, really, to get more, more plays uh, and more prep with that new offense. Looking down the list, uh, Sterling defeated Allman 21-6 on Saturday. Allman got on the board first. Then Sterling stepped up on defense, and they didn't allow anything after that opening drive. Allman scored on their first drive of the game. They got nothing after that. Uh, on the offensive side for the Golden Warriors, Noel Aponte led the way with 88 rushing yards and two touchdowns. He was doing big things back in 2019. So, you know, good to see him back and doing, and doing damage for the Golden Warriors. And, man, they just picked up right where they left off. Yeah, and that was, that was really a committee effort on those Sterling rushing games. I think they had over 200 yards rushing. So if the leading rusher had 88, um, I think there was five or six on the, on the stat sheet. So uh, a great job by the Warriors there to, uh, like you said, pick up where they left off and get, get a, a big week one win. Yep. Hey, let's move over to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Morrison, man, they, they're replacing a lot of pieces. This is not the same Morrison team that went to the quarterfinals in 19. They got some back, but, but a lot graduated. Mm -hmm. They come away with a convincing win, 42 to nothing over Riverdale. I, I was impressed. I, I was impressed to see that big time score because I think there were some questions on whether Morrison can keep this going with all the graduation they had. Right. Yeah, I think, and, and again, I don't know if this is going to switch or change going into the fall season, but depth is an issue for the Mustangs this year. They do have a senior quarterback, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, they do have a new running, running back stable, um, but the results are still there, at least after, after one week. And also, as we talked about, that defense is still there. Um, so a, a great win for uh, the Mustangs. First win, actually, uh, my, my old teammate, my old friend, uh, Quad City legend, Sammy Biggs, uh, his first game as the offensive coordinator for the Mustangs. So he didn't let up uh, in his first game. So congrats to them. Uh, and, and again, as we talked about, big, big game next week with Rock Ridge. That's what I was just going to lead into. Rock Ridge with a 26-6 to win over Orion. So the Rockets are moving in the right direction, too. And to knock off a playoff team in Orion from 19, that, that's a big-time win as well. Moving along, looking at the Lincoln Trail Conference, Anwan Weathersfield with a win over Ottawa Marquette, 24-6. to Marquette led this one early, 6-0. Uh, they scored first. And then uh, Anwan Weathersfield was only leading 8-6 at halftime. So, that, you know, maybe a little bit of an upset alert. But, man, Anwan Weathersfield got things rolling. They cruised on to a victory. I give credit to Marquette because they did a pretty good job early of containing Colton Quagliano, the, you know, all-state quarterback for Anawan Weathersfield. 
But, you know, Anna and Weatherfield made adjustments. They went more to the ground game. They, uh, Reese Grip did a great job getting the job done. And I think eventually, once Marquette found themselves in a hole, you know, they had to go to the passing game. That was not their strong suit. Um, Anawan Weathersfield ended up with three interceptions to really seal that win. So a big kind of, you know, they, they ended up rolling away with the win 24 to six to look good in week one. Um, also wins around the Lincoln Trail. Ridgewood wins 48-22 over Stark County. So there's a playoff team from 19 keeping it going, putting up 48 points over Stark County. Princeville gets the win over Mercer County 12 to eight. That game was on Saturday at United Township. Mitch, we're going ahead. We're moving on to week two. Should we start looking at some games here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, uh, why, don't you t- why don't you tell us what's going on in the Western Big Six uh, this coming week? That's right. Well, uh, you know, there's a little game called Geneseo and Sterling, like maybe one of the biggest rivalries on the Western right. side of the state. <laughs> they uh, kick it off at Sterling High School in week two. Uh, Quincy is on the road at Galesburg. That's one that's interesting. Two 1-0 teams going against each other. Galesburg going back home. Rock Island Allman is going to Moline at Browning Field. And Rock Island is going to United Township. All right, Mitch, so there's the rundown of games. When, you, when I go through it, what stands out to you? Yeah, obviously you mentioned Genesee and Sterling being a, a long-lasting rivalry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably look towards more Allman and Moline, another one of those classic Quad City, Western Big Six rivalries. Uh, both teams fall short in week one. Uh, we'll see which team comes out on top. I want to see uh, Quincy and Galesburg. If I can find that live stream, I want to watch that one because I want to see if Galesburg can keep it moving. I think that being at home, you know, there's a good chance they could be 2-0 and and knock off a Quincy team. But, you know, year in and year out, Quincy's been up near the top of the standing. So that should be a good game. That's one that I'm watching. Let's, uh, let's go to the Three Rivers. You have uh, Erie Prophetstown going uh, to Kiwani. You have Monmouth Roseville going to Peru St. Bede. Princeton is at Spring Valley Hall. That's a big rivalry game uh, every year. Orion is at Fulton, another pretty big rivalry game, and maybe for the last time in a while because uh, Fulton's going to head to the NUIC after this year. Uh, Sterling Newman opens their season. The defending state champions go on the road to Bureau Valley. The game you've talked about, Rock Ridge at Morrison, and Riverdale is at Sherrard. So, man, I tell you what, when I start, I want to see Newman. I want to see the defending state champs. I want to see what they have. The other one I'm looking at that you've talked about is Rock Ridge and Morrison. Yeah, uh, interesting to see that. I don't want to say upstart Rock Ridge, but certainly uh, put up pretty good numbers there in week one against a Morrison team that we've talked about plenty. Um, here in the Three Rivers, some teams that didn't start, you know, like you said, Numinous getting off on uh, their first game this week. A couple other yep. teams are too. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to look to, I'm gonna look too at that Newman game. Um, both – what does Newman look like? They're only playing four games this spring. How are they going to look coming off of a championship? And then Bureau Valley, can, can they come out of, a, of an 0-9 season? They're at home uh, looking to see what kind of strides they can make. Be an exciting matchup. Yeah, I think Bureau Valley is another team that's only playing four games. So you want to be able to get a look at them and, like you said, see if they can kind of come out of that 0-9 hole. But, man, that's a, that's a tough way to start when you got, when you got the defending state champs. Yeah, the, the, good, the good thing is, is it might get easier after, after this week. But, hey. We've seen upsets in week one. We've seen surprises. So who's, who's to say it can't happen again? That's a fair point. That's right. All right, let's go to the Lincoln Trail Conference. They actually do have one cancellation. Um, Mid-County and Princeville will be canceled this week. Mid-County also canceled last week because of COVID issues. 
So we certainly hope things trend in the right direction and they can get back on the football field, especially for some of those seniors. You want to make sure that they yeah. get some time on a football field before they graduate. Um, Mercer County is going to Cambridge for a game against Ridgewood. So uh, Ridgewood trying to see if they can keep things going and Mercer County looking to get back in the win column. Kiwani Weathers or Anawan Weathersfield will go to Monmouth United. So United did not play last week because they were supposed to play mid-county. So this would be their first game. So they have a tough task against uh, Anawan Weathersfield. And then the, um, the kind of non-conference game, I guess you could say, is Stark County is going on the road to Ottawa Marquette. So mm-hmm. Stark County looking to bounce back. Marquette also looking to bounce back after the tough loss against Anawan Weathersfield. So somebody's going to get their first win there. I think that might be the game I look to. Because Stark County is such a proud program, and year in and year out, they were a playoff team forever, and they've, yeah. they've hit hard times. And it, it looks like, you know, after a loss to Ridgewood in week one, that they're still trying to get through some stuff and still trying to find their way. Can they do it against Marquette? And Marquette, the same thing. Marquette's been really good the last few years, hit a rough, hit a rough patch against Anwan Weathersfield, and they look like they have some young inexperience in some positions. Can they come through it too? What game you like? What game you like? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Mercer County and Ridgewood. Um, obviously, like you said, Mercer County trying to get in the win column after a week one loss. Uh, Ridgewood, a playoff team in 2019. Uh, they're going to be looking to uh, continue that success. So uh, a nice battle there uh, at, uh, at Cambridge. Yep. All right. Let's head to the Northwest Upstate Illini. Bunch of games to run through here. Uh, Dupec on the road at Stockton. We have East Dubuque going up against Dakota. That game will be played at Harlem High School. Orangeville versus Lena Winslow. That game will be played at Freeport. So Lena Winslow and Orangeville, two teams that have been uh, good in the NUICs, going up against each other in week two. West Carroll is on the road against Galena. See if Galena can keep things going in the right direction. Amboy Lamoille is at Eastland Pearl City. That game's in Lanark. Ashton Franklin Center will be going up against Aquin. That game will also be on Saturday, uh, on Saturday, also at Freeport High School. And then Milledgeville going on the road to Forreston. Uh, Milledgeville looking to see if they can keep things uh, going in the right direction. So I think I got to look at um, Lena Winslow. You know, they're going um, they're going to play at Freeport High School. I believe it's considered a home game for them. But mm-hmm. um, going up against Orangeville, who's been a playoff team and been a decent, uh, you know, competitor in the NUIC. So what game do you like? Yeah, I like I like that one. Obviously, um, you know, I, I don't think uh, Lena should get get knocked down in the rankings. I, and I don't know that there are going to be week by week rankings. But anyway, how do they respond from from losing a week one to playing another potential playoff team in Orangeville? Um, I'm going I'm to look at Milledgeville and Forreston, uh, maybe an upstart in Milledgeville against a powerhouse or a perennial powerhouse in Forreston. So um, good to see a, a good lineup here uh, in this conference for this upcoming week. Yep, absolutely. So there's the rundown of week two. Mitch, if I, if I ask you, what's the, what's the storyline? What's the big story? What stands out for you going into week two? We've kind of broke it all down here. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if Princeton can keep going. They, they're going to play Hall. Hall comes off a week one loss, but uh, let's see if Princeton can remain as dominant as, as they've been. Obviously, we talked about some of the teams in the Three Rivers getting their first games uh, this week. So it'll be interesting to see how, these, how those teams match up. Um, in that conference again probably the game of the week for me that I'll be probably most looking at is Rock Ridge and Morrison um just because it, it was a little bit of a surprise to me not to discredit what they did against Orion but it, how they did it I guess would be more of a surprise so uh, a run and gun type of offense with Rock Ridge against a powerhouse program 
uh, like Morrison. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yep. I think um, we talked about the very beginning of this in the Western Big Six. My, my head goes to Quincy and Galesburg. I'm really interested to see if Galesburg can kind of, you know, really rebound from what they had last year and, and really show a different team than what they had in the couple, the last couple years. That's a game I really want to watch. And I think like you pointed out, the other interesting thing is some teams are in essentially week one mode. They haven't played mm-hmm. yet. And that's not just a year that's been 18 months, you know? So right. the teams who got right. that start last week, I think are maybe a little bit ahead because they got some of that early season jitters out of the way. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see some of those teams who are just starting this week. Um, yep. One of them, being Newman, you know, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think Newman will have the jitters like some other teams because I think they're just coached and they're so well prepared and being successful as they were last year. But either way, it is still a week one for them essentially. So uh, yep. lots of exciting football, Mitch, we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to jump right in for the UniView uniform breakdowns of the Lincoln trail conference. Have you done your homework? Are you ready to roll? Well, we're, we're back. We took a hiatus. UniView talk, Uni talk is back. I'm excited. All right. We'll be right back talking some UniView. All right. It's View from the West, UniView for the Lincoln Trail Conference. Once again, Mitch Stormer is here. We're breaking down all the uniforms from the Lincoln Trails. Now, how this UniView power rankings will work is, Mitch, each week we're taking conferences one by one, and we're each coming up with our own top three or top four, depending on how big the conference is and how we want to spread it out. So each week, the teams we select get put into kind of a separate pool, and they'll all wait there. And then at the end, me and you got to put together an overall top 10. So we've already yep. done we've already done Three Rivers Athletic Conference mm-hmm. and the Western Big Six. So mm-hmm. after those two have been finished, the teams left that we picked as our top jerseys and uniforms, Quincy, Geneseo, Moline, and Rock Island mm-hmm. have survived along with in the Three Rivers, Monmouth-Roseville, Princeton, Bureau Valley, Orion, one of your big ones, Spring Valley Hall, Mm -hmm. and your obvious big one, Morrison, because Morrison graduated in (laughs) you. So those are the teams that are still alive. There'll be three more, potentially four more teams that jump into that list, depending on who me and you choose. Mm -hmm. So, Mitch, let's jump right into it. The UniView for the Lincoln Trail Conference, and we're starting with the Mercer County Golden Eagles. They got new uniforms this year. Head coach Andrew Hoford just sent me the pictures on Twitter. So you, have, you and I have had a look at them. And mm-hmm. they go with, um, I believe, a Nike jersey. And the ones we saw were their home jerseys. So mm-hmm. navy blue on navy blue with a gold helmet. And they have like um, wings, like a golden eagle blue, navy blue wings on a gold helmet. And then they also have kind of like patches or like the sleeves are like a gold color with blue numbers. The numbers Mm -hmm. on the jerseys are gold themselves. So what are your thoughts? We'll start there with Mercer County. Yeah. uh, Like you said, brand new set this year. Um, Didn't change a whole lot from last year. I think they, they had gold pants last year. I think they went gold lid, Navy blue, and then a gold pant. Um, So yeah, we don't really know if they have that or not. We've only really seen these, these home sets, but um, you mentioned the helmet. I love Mercer County's helmet, a gold helmet with, I Navy, do too. with Navy. Let's call them, since we've said wings before in, in context with Morrison and, and Moline, let's, I would call them like just feathers. Right? Feathers. That's <laughs> like a good just, point. Not they're wings. They're golden eagle yes. feathers. But Correct. What's, what I like about it is that it's kind of like a different 
feather look, right? Like I've never really kind of seen that sort of artwork or that sort of logo before. So I really like the helmet um, and it's a good look. They just debuted it this weekend. Um, so yeah, not a big change from what they did. All Navy look, very nice helmet. Uh, good look there for, uh, for Mercer County. All right, this is getting super into the weeds and detailed, but I noticed it looks like they had the feathers last year, mm-hmm. but it almost looks like this year they've angled them more. So they're okay. more like almost like a vertical rather than okay. going like horizontal back. And it looks really slick. I like that. So they're, in a, they're in attack mode then is what you're That's saying. right. That's right. And see, like <laughs> I said, that's really in the weeds and really detailed to a ridiculous yeah. level, but that's what we do here. That's, that's the that's uni view. people listen to the podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. So overall, I think it's a solid look. I like the colors blue and gold together. Um, yeah. And like you said, I love, I love that helmet. So moving on to Ridgewood and mm-hmm. a team that is solid white and navy blue. They don't yeah. really have a third color, at least in football. They're pretty much strictly those two colors. Um, they've kind of bounced around for a little while. Their helmet was empty. There was no logo on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in years past, they did like Spartans in a script. Mm-hmm. And now they've gone to like an actual Spartan right. um, kind of logo, which looks good. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, the um, jerseys I saw on online from pre from 2019 was a white with uh, the lettering on the front and a Navy Jersey or a Navy number and then white pants with some Navy striping on it. So overall yeah. a good look, a solid two color look. Yeah. Um, we've seen it on a, on a couple of different teams that only utilize two colors. They keep it clean. They keep it simple. Um, you mentioned that Spartan logo. It's kind of, if you're familiar with, with college logos, it's kind of like the San Jose state Spartan. That's right. Yep. I, don't, I don't think it's exactly the same, but it's still kind of like a Spartan head with a spear. Um, looks good in that color scheme. Um, in addition on the helmets, they've got pride stickers, always a nice touch. If anyone's listening out there, if you're not utilizing pride stickers, just do it. There's, <laughs> there's a wrong way to do it, but just do it. Um, I saw different variations of the jerseys. I couldn't tell, at least on, on the away jerseys, on their whites, they had the stripes going up the sides that, that went right into the pant, and that's always a good look. It makes it look complete. I couldn't tell on their home blues if it did the same. Um, but either way, clean look, uh, cool helmet, uh, great job in Ridgewood. Yeah, I think the helmet is a huge Im- improvement, a huge upgrade, because they had the Spartans in, in just, a like I said, a kind of a generic type of script which Mm -hmm. looked fine. It was good enough. I think it all worked together well. You can't really go wrong when you do like a script like that on a helmet. But in this case, if you have your own unique logo, I like it. I think it's a good enhancement there. Let's keep rolling along. Anawan Weathersfield. Anawan Mm -hmm. Weathersfield Titans, they utilize blue, white, and a gray or a silver. And Mm -hmm. I like their look. I like their look a lot. They've kind of had the same look for several years now with an Under Armour set. And it's very similar to the same set that Orion uses, which we've really mm-hmm. liked in years in uh, podcast past. We talked about them in the Three Rivers Breakdown. Um, this is a new update. This year, in, they, instead of having the logo, the Titan Sword logo on both sides of the helmet, they now do helmet uh, logo on one side with the numbers on the other. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan of different <laughs> sides. It's been clearly discussed on this yep. podcast. Yep. But um, what are your thoughts overall on the jersey? Yeah, another, again, a, a clean look. And, and even to back up, this conference, we've talked about before about conferences having parity in their colors. This one, you, you see a lot of the same. You see a lot of navy and whites. We'll get into the Stark counties in the Uniteds where it's, where it's red, black, and white. So it's interesting always to see when you have that, how teams kind of separate themselves. 
Uh, and this is a good look for the Titans that they, they look like a really good football team because they are a really good football team. Yep. Um, that look looks really nice at home um, on that field. Um, edgy numbers, kind of, kind of tighty sort of numbers, you know? I was just going to say the numbers are unique. And sometimes yeah. when you go with a different kind of font for your numbers than the standard like block, it's a risky yeah. move because it, it can backfire. We've seen it backfire plenty of times, but I like yeah. this. It fits, it fits their look. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And also, I like um, they utilize the like the silver gray in the shoulders, along with yeah. like a thin white stripe, and then the stripe yeah. goes down the side of the jersey as well. Um, the pants are all navy, so you know sometimes you can do too much quickly with pants. If if you try to throw in too much or just a little stripe, it doesn't work. They don't do mm-hmm. it. It looks good overall. Yep an Under Armour set that looks really good. It looks really clean. And like you said, they're a good football team and they look good when they do it. So another, another on. thing, Greg, another thing. Oh, pride stickers. That's, that's true. Pride. You talked about, there's a lot of pride stickers in the Lincoln trail conference. So well yeah. done across the board for you the teams to, that throw those on there. You love to see it. Absolutely. Let's talk about Monmouth United, the red storm. It's a unique mascot, which came about, I believe, in 04 when they merged and became United. And they've utilized it in several different ways. They take advantage of the um, Miami U, which I think is perfect. When you're called United, use a solid logo like that. I like unique logos, but I think in this case, it's just too obvious to use United. And they utilize it well with the black and red or it's mm-hmm. either silver and red or depending on what color is in the background so yeah. overall i like it their jerseys are um pretty aggressive they they have yeah. shoulder pads that have some like almost like camo striping on them mm-hmm. um, for both home and road it's a font that is like you said with the titans it's a little different it's not mm-hmm. your standard like block text font um really thick red helmet stripe mm-hmm. but what i like about the helmets is it's got that metallic shine on it. Yeah. It's not just a flat matte finish. It's got like metallic around the, the U and on the stripe and even the red kind of pops a little bit. I, I like yeah. it. Um, the red jerseys at home, similar with the camo striping in gray and the pants are gray as well. Um, they do numbers on one side and United on the other. Again, I think you could go United logo on both sides and it would look really good, but overall it's a bright, colorful look and i don't know i like the i like their look with red and gray at home mm-hmm. yeah like you said like you said it is a little bit aggressive um it's better than than years past for sure it's an under armor set um like you said kind of as your numbers a little bit i love the helmet it's like you said it's it's a combination of a matte helmet with metallic normally it might just be plain matte which i think always looks good but then yeah they they add on their unique logo big stripe red face mask um yeah i if i had to change anything i'm always a sucker for wearing black uniform if if black's in your color scheme if it's one of your main colors i always like seeing black at home um but again yeah this is this is something that i talked about just a second ago when you have a a conference that has teams that share a similar color scheme you have to set yourself apart um and so there are a million teams in illinois that have red black and white and none of them look like united so you can give them that so Unique look, aggressive look, not bad, not saying that at all. Um, maybe get a black uniform in there. Maybe they've got one coming this year. We don't really know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It could be worse. Let's put it that way. There you go. There you go. We're moving along to the Mid-County Cougars. Uh, mm-hmm. They've had 
several different looks over the years. A few years ago, um, we'll talk about what they have now, I guess. We'll start with what they have now. Um, black jerseys with white numbers, at least according to 2019. We have not seen anything for 2020, right. but we'll go according to 2019. Black jerseys, white numbers, blue pants, a royal blue, not, to right. be um, clear. And they also have like a little, um, almost like a horizontal stripe, like an aggressive like horizontal stripe up on the side of the pants. And the helmet is blue with a black face mask. And mm -hmm. they have the big, um, it's almost like a Northwestern Wildcat, right. which right. the Northwestern teams, football teams utilized a few years back. I like that. The helmet is really cool. They did it a few years ago with a black helmet, which I thought looked maybe even better. But I still like this logo because it's so big. Yep. And it just, it just, it gives your identity of your football team immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, I, I think the helmet is, is the best part of this this look. I, I maybe, and this is where I wish I was good at like Photoshop or Illustrator because I could you know, <laughs> play with different things. Uh, maybe see a white face mask just to make it look a little bit better. But it goes with their black jerseys at home, which I think look really nice. It's got great stripes on the shoulders. The numbers pop. They're nice and big. They're nice and white. Um, and like you said, a blue pant. Um, and it's got kind of like, it's almost like a, like a bangle, like a singular like bangle. Yep. Princeton sort of stripe that goes down. So playing on the Cougar name, the, the shoulder stripes are kind of the same. So um, unfortunately, I don't think we got anything of, on the away for Mid-County, but just based off this look alone, you can probably guess that they have a white jersey. It probably looks good. Um, yeah, three colors, excellent helmet. Probably, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, yeah, probably the best, my favorite helmet in the conference. All right, and we've already talked up two big helmets because we like Mercer County. And we liked United. So that's, yeah. that's good. That's great praise from Mid-County there. All right, Princeville. The Princeville Princes. They yep. very much utilize the maroon as their main color with white. That's, they kind of stick to, similar to Ridgewood. They stick to two colors. In recent years, the helmet is blank. There is nothing mm -hmm. on it. I think they used to do a Princes script a few years ago. Okay. I'm not sure. They may have always been um, fairly plain maroon and they utilize pride stickers as well to kind of yep. fill up the helmet to give it a little detail right. but um yeah what are your thoughts on Princeville yeah looking looking through um previous or, or you know just looking through images that we could find online and being able to sort through different years it was kind of the same uniform so I, I don't know if they've had the same uniforms for a while or if they just kept the same design or something similar but yeah all maroon look, um, some unique striping on the jerseys, um, kind of goes down and around and up and around. Um, it looks good. Um, a little bit of black trim, which I could do without, um, maybe get, maybe get a white pant, maybe just something, uh, something just to change it up a little bit without doing too much. Uh, but again, Princeville maroon and white, it's a classic color scheme. Um, and, and they're not doing anything to screw that up. All right. We're going to Stark County. I, I got to say to start, I think I try not to be biased when we do these based on teams that we've seen have success, teams that I've seen on Saturdays and on Friday nights in the playoffs. But for me, Stark County has remained fairly consistent over the years with black pants, the black jersey, and that red helmet, and their, S, their interlocking SC, which is kind of their iconic look. That, that just is yep. Stark County to me. Yep. I like their look overall. They have a little bit of trim, a little bit of white trim on the jersey, and then the pants are pretty much black, all black, no trim. I like the look in Star County, and it's just they haven't done too much over the years to tweak it, and it's just a solid look to me. Yeah, uh, like you said, that being from Illinois, 
if you see that SC interlocking logo, you can almost automatically go to Stark County. So it's a classic helmet. They haven't gone away from that. So that's good. Um, I'm always not a huge fan of if you have, if you're, if you're black on black on Jersey and on the pant and then a different colored helmet, it's, I'm not saying it looks bad because I don't think it does, but it's just not for me. They used to have red pants. Um, and I always thought that was good. You know, uh, one of my rules, the, the helmet matches the pants. Yep. Um, but in, in kind of the same thing as Princeville, it's, it's a classic color scheme that you can't screw up too much and kind of beating a dead uh, a drum here. When you have that color scheme, not only within your conference, but within the state, you want to try and, and make yourself stand out and, and do something different than other teams are. So when they have a red helmet and then black on black at home, you know, Stark County's not doing, or sorry, uh, United's not doing that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good look, classic helmet, you know, classic logo. Yeah. See, I think I've heard you talk a lot about the helmet matching the pants. Mm-hmm. I think in this case and in several cases when I hear you say it, Man, I, I completely disagree. I want, I want the jersey and the pants, if they're black and black, I want that other, that secondary color or that other color to pop on the helmet. And that's yeah. what I think I like about Stark County. They pull it off. That's exactly what I want. And it, it works perfect because the helmet logo ties it all together. I, I think yeah. they also, um, in years past, they've done the, I believe, the logo on the sleeves. Now they have the number on the sleeves. Either way, I just think it, the red pops off on the black jersey, and then the helmet is the great contrast to that. So we've gone through the traditional Lincoln Trail teams, but mm-hmm. we should bring in, we'll bring in the two additional teams that are going to come next year's fall football season, that being Knoxville and A-Town. Mm-hmm. We'll start, we'll start when we're talking uniforms, <laughs> A-Town has got yeah. a lot to talk about. Yeah. When they came onto the scene in, uh, I believe it was 2013 or 2014, Man, they kind of busted out on the scene with some jerseys that were – they were something. They were making a statement. Mm-hmm. I liked them. Overall, I thought they were great. They had some, uh, some gray, like almost like camo kind of striping on the shoulders, but then they were black on black um, on the – I believe at home. Yep, black mm-hmm. on black at home with the navy – or with, sorry, with the um, forest green. Right. And the yellow right. trim and mm-hmm. the black helmet with the AT on it. I thought that look, look was really great. They also had a good white jersey that went with it that, where they still wore the black pants. So it followed mm-hmm. your rule, Mitch. It had black helmet right. and black pants. I right. thought it looked really, really great. We'll skip ahead to what they have now. They've adjusted mm-hmm. a little bit. They still have the AT logo on a white helmet yep. with the forest green and the yellow striping. Mm-hmm. The home jersey continues to kind of be a little progressive. They, they stand out in the uniform category with gray, like a, almost similar to what I'm wearing here, like almost like a gray graphite type mm-hmm. of look. The numbers are, again, the forest green with the yellow trim, and they have that kind of metallic shine to them. Um, and then the road jersey is a white jersey with the white helmet, and they have green pants with, uh, right. I believe, white and yellow striping. Right. So overall, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think – I think the color is called anthracite. Am I saying that right? I think Whoa, that's what I don't they know. call it. I think. I don't know. I might be For the gray color? I, for that? Right. Yeah. Okay. That all right. Sort of. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Um, yeah. Like you said, with a, with a nickname like Tornadoes, they had to make a, they had to make a, a scene when they yep. came on. Um, yeah. And that, that was a good look. And I, I don't know how recently they changed. It might have been last year that they first introduced these. I believe it was um, 18 or 19. It's recent. Yeah. So, uh, again, 
kind of what I was talking about with Stark County, you're going to have a different color helmet than you do with the jersey and the pant. Um, and, and again, kind of what they used to wear with the dark jersey and the dark numbers, they're kind of doing the same with their anthracite or gray uniforms at home <laughs> and the forest green numbers. Um, it can look, and that's, and here's the other thing. That's a color scheme that no one else has black, white, green, and yellow. Like there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a clean Adidas look, you know, um, I really like the white. I, I don't know if they ever wear those away green pants at home. That would be, that would be quite the look with the, with the white helmet, <laughs> anthracite Jersey and green pants. So I don't know if they do that or not. Um, but it looks, it looks good on the road, which they wore at home, we found out last year, or, or in 2019, for a homecoming game. So that's cool that they switched that up. And it may have been because they were going up against a team in Illini West that was right. wearing the gray, the, the what, the yeah. anthracite? I, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. Maybe that was a part of that. Uh, overall, I like, I, like the lo- I like the logo. I like the AT logo mm-hmm. on the helmet. Um, I think I like the black helmet a little better. Cause I mm-hmm. think that the black Jersey all the way down black pants, black helmet. I thought that Jersey looked really slick, but overall I like that they're trying things with the, with that gray. It's yeah. again, like you said, it's they're aggressive jerseys. They've always kind of been that way with a name like tornadoes, make yourself stand out and that right. they're, they're trying things. So it's, it's interesting. It's fun. On the other side, look at Knoxville. Knoxville mm-hmm. is they're pretty traditional and yeah. that's they for as good as, and as A-Town looks being aggressive, Knoxville looks good being a traditional power football look. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we just talked about it a minute ago that we found some old pictures of, of Knoxville where they were, it was like basically completely Navy, nothing on the helmet, just a Navy helmet, Navy jersey with the gold, gold numbers, a just plain Navy pant. So they've upgraded from that. Um, they've got a nice Adidas set now. They incorporate their gold. It's got gold numbers with white trim. Uh, the helmet now has uh, a K, obviously for Knoxville. Again, pride stickers, a huge plus on this look. <laughs> they go white and navy on the road. It's it's another example of a similar color scheme within the same conference when you talk about Mercer County, but they're able to separate themselves and look differently than Mercer County does. So, yeah, like you said, it, it looks like a, a powerhouse uh let's let's use that term we used before it looks like a give it to the fullback type of uniform so uh it just it has that sort of sense about it it absolutely does the one thing i noticed is they utilize the gold in the numbers and in the font on the jersey Mm. but the helmet is just a white k right i kind of wish they would match just to be you know just to kind of keep it all in one look but overall it it does make the case stand out a little bit. And I certainly think it all works together regardless either way. Yeah. And, and like you said too, where the price stickers can kind of come into that is it kind of takes away from that K and it might get lost in, you know, in the, in the scheme of things. So yeah, maybe, maybe put some color on, on the, on the helmet, but uh, otherwise it's just a good look. All right, Mitch, there you have it. There is the rundown of the Lincoln trail conference and their uniforms Now's the time for our UniView top three. Mitch, you, you take the honors. You go first with your number three. Where are we okay. going in the Lincoln Trail for your third this, jersey? Yeah, this, this was close. There was, there was probably two or three teams vying for that third spot. And what's going to put this team in front is the helmet. I said probably my, my favorite helmet in the conference. It's mid-county. Um, it's, it's a good look. Like, you know, blue, black, and white. 
what you know how much better can you get than that and if you see that blue helmet if you've never if you've never seen it and you hear us talking about it look it up because it's cool um and the black jersey big white numbers stands out at home mid county is my number three my number three i'm right in lockstep with you i'm going mid county cougars it's the helmet it's it's the cool it's that big like them it's a cougar but you know that that kind of panther wildcat kind of logo yep. and i just love that it stands out big and bold on the helmet yep i really like that look and like you mm -hmm. said the black and the in the royal blue they make it look really good together so i'm going i'm going mid county as well okay. you're number two uniview ranked team where are you going yeah number two um i'm gonna keep it simple let's say that i'm gonna keep it simple okay i'm gonna go ridgewood okay I like Ridgewood's colors. I like their away look probably more than anything because it's all white. I'm a sucker yeah. for that. Yep. Um, again, like we talked about, the, the logo kind of separates them apart. That is just a cool logo. Um, pride stickers add more to the, uh, to the look. So I got Ridgewood at two. Just, it, it's real simple, um, and, it, and it looks good. I'm actually going with the team that Ridgewood just played this past week. I'm going Stark County. Like we talked about, I like the black pants, I like the black jersey, and I love the red helmet with their identifying logo that stands out. I just think it's a great look overall. Um, when they go with white and either red or white and black, it's still a good look, still a solid look, but the, their black look at home is what, yeah. is what sets me, what puts me onto this list. It, it's what puts me in there. And I should mention that one of the teams that we talked about also being red and black, United almost crept onto my list. They were okay. close. They okay. were close. But I think I just, with Mid-County's helmet and then with this look that Star County has with the black and black and red, I, that, pushed, that pushed them up there. So United was close, but not quite there. So here we go, yeah. Mitch. Who you got left? Your number one, who is your favorite uniform in the Lincoln Trail Conference, the UniView rankings? My, my number one in the Lincoln Trail it goes to the top team in the conference, the defending champs of the conference. It's Weathersfield. I love the look. Um, uh, like we talked about, it's an Under Armour set, so you know it's going to be clean. You know it's going to be sharp. The numbers, the sharp, you know, Titan-esque, I'll say, like I, I think I said that earlier. Um, everything just flows with the helmet. It's a cool logo. Um, you had mentioned that they're, they're changing it up to put a number on the other side. Yep. Not huge on that, but I don't think it's going to take away from much. Um, pride stickers on the helmet. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a good look, uh, both on, on home uh, and away kits. So Weathersfield is my number one here. And once again, I'm right there in lockstep with you. My number one, my favorite uniform in the Lincoln Trail Conference, Logan Willits. He's doing, he's doing things good on the field and with these uniforms. I like Anawan Weathersfield. I like the Titans. Um, I just, it's an Under Armour set. It kind of reminded me of Orion when we started looking at it. And you yeah. know how much we liked Dorian. We talked right. about them in the Three Rivers. They were our number one, both of us in that one too. So that's where I'm going. So Mitch, to review, my top three was Mid-County, Stark County, Anawan Weathersfield. Mm -hmm. Your top three were? Mid-County, Ridgewood, Weathersfield. So overall, we both have Anawan Weathersfield moving on. Stark mm -hmm. County's moving on for me. Mid-County's moving on for both of us. And Ridgewood is in there. So all yep. those teams get put in to the final pool. And out of those, we got to rank a top 10. So we'll get to it. But before we get there, we still got some more teams to be put in from the yep. Northwest Upstate Illini. We might have to call in a friend on that one to help us out. 
a guy yeah. who knows a little bit about the Northwest upset Illini. So we'll, we'll get to that, but that'll be coming up. But uh, then it's going to be real deal time. Then we can't, we got to stop our, uh, you know, yeah. going our own ways and come together and we can't yeah. disagree. Once, we got to figure it out. Once we, once we get, cause that list will probably be price 17 or 18, probably by the time. Yep. Cause I think we're, we are at 10. So now we're at 14. Yep. And so if we do three or four, we'll probably have a couple of disagreements. So we, we might get up to 20 and we got to narrow that down in half. Like yeah. I, I can't even think about it. So, um, <laughs> this is, this is going to be tough for sure. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to, to do our final conference and then to really, uh, uh, to really narrow it down. Awesome. I can't wait. Well, Mitch, enjoy another, well, first of all, enjoy March Madness. The NCAA basketball tournament yeah. is going on as we record this and there's yeah. upsets happening well, left yeah, and more. right. Yeah, more madness than I can remember. So, yeah, it's – with Illinois going down, now you just – you root for more chaos, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Northwestern never even stood a chance. So, I mean, I, here I am wearing that. So, you know. Yeah, never. well, they, they can't lose. So. <laughs> so, boy, they did plenty of that in the regular season. So, anyway, there's another week of high school football coming up. We see some teams kicking off. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for joining me. To everybody out there, thank you so much for listening to View from the West podcast. Find us on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can find us on YouTube as well. This video uh, will be on YouTube. We'll tweet that out. So you can find the uni discussion always on our YouTube channel. So, all right, Mitch, we'll get back together next week. We'll talk more football. Can't wait. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.